Hello and welcome to another episode of the Beyond Business Podcast. My name's Charles Mackay. Today, I had the absolute pleasure of speaking with Mark Tanner, who is the CEO and co-founder of a business called Quilla. Mark had a, has had a really, really interesting career and some would say, um, you know, potentially a lot of people in the tech world would be quite jealous that, that he actually got to work in the rocket ship of Google. But Mark started his career in um, pretty much, you know, building platforms to build the ebook and make the ebook um, sort of nearly what it is today. And obviously, as the ebook, um, you know, evolved and grew, that went from a paid product to pretty much a free product overnight. Um, but that's where Mark started his career. And then that led, led him into the Google rocket ship um, where Mark worked on a series of projects which he talks about. And it's just fascinating to just, you know, how he dug into what he was doing at Google and how some of those products, um, you know, what they are today and the ones that failed as well. And the next phase was, you know, Mark came back from New York from when he was at Google and got into and met his co-founder um, of Quilla. And at the end of the day, it's really fascinating how Mark, where he started his career, where he was trying to you know, build PDFs and build books into PDFs. Um, and reality is now he's turning PDFs into the web, um, obviously within proposals. It was a fascinating conversation, some really great takeaways through the proposal process um, and some good tips for you. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to hand over to Mark and myself. Enjoy. Mark Tanner, what a pleasure it is, mate. So tell me, whereabouts are you situated in this current environment? Mate, I'm, I'm at home. I'm in my second bedroom. I've been, I've been isolated from my child who is currently having a nap in my office, uh, as is often the case around, around the middle of the day. But I'm, in, I'm in lovely Sydney. I'm, it's a sunny day. Life is feeling, you know, we're sort of, Life is feeling very surreal right now, um, but I feel we're, we're feeling pretty lucky to be in Australia. Yeah, 100%, 100%. What's your, um, in this current environment, what's the biggest, you've got, you said you had a two-year-old, what's been the biggest parent learning you've had? Mate, I, um, uh, I mean, to be honest, so we're, we're, we're in that stage of, 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 of the young one being, either incredibly cute and lovely and sweet and learning new words and then just being a complete monster. So we're sort of sort of learning how to sort of de-escalate and sort of get better at that and play distractions. I will say that um, the funniest one of, of this variety was I was doing, um, I was doing actually a, a, sort of a, a, a sort of more startup-y, techie-focused podcast a little while back, mm. middle of the podcast. Uh Son runs past, just absolutely screaming, fart, 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 which was a strong move. <laughs> uh, and um, and sort of did cause a minor disruption on this side, which of course was a, was a podcast where they they also have like a they they do it via Zoom and have a live audience, so it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. So that 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 part wasn't wasn't great. But to be honest, everyone is it's actually been such a nice leveling moment in a way um i think having mm. everyone be at home and have kids be around and sort of it's been quite human and i, I think like across the sales part of it as well it's sort of it's sort of is a nice way to sort of take us out of our sort of corporate corporate zone sometimes and sort of make everyone sort of a bit more of a level playing field yeah i was, I was going to say that word a level playing field where there's a little less ego in the room of look at my office or look at this or look at that and reality totally. is we're all, we're all human and 
we're all just trying to make things a bit easier for each other so that we can get through <laughs> through the weeks and months and years ahead. Um, Strong agree. Yeah, super interesting. So let's um let's go back a bit, Mark. I'm I'm really interested. Um, you know your background and how you've got to where you are with 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 Kula today. But let's go back um to what got you into you know what what first got you into business and you know what did you study to get to where you are today but what what were those sort of you know those journeys what did it look like yeah sure so i'll i'll go a bit back so i i um like went to a went to a selective school um and had a bunch of smart mates and i sort of very quickly realized that they were all going to do like law and like banking and stuff like this and i was mm-hmm. just like i'm not going to compete with you smart like you know bastards the rest of my life that's a terrible idea so i sort of the one thing i knew was that i wasn't going to go end up going down that path because they were all that would be far too challenging so i think um my you know really when i went to uni i, I did history um as my major so I, I did arts i did history a little bit of politics um some philosophy and stuff like that but it was mainly stuff that i loved i was lucky enough through that period i didn't did an internship at one of the big consulting firms and, and i sort of I enjoyed that, but really, I kind of, kind of knew I wanted to be like a businessman in a sense. Like my dad had had an architectural practice and been like really quite successful. It's like you know mm. pretty big, sort of in their area of focus, which was like heritage architecture. They were very well known, and so I didn't want to be an architect. I didn't really know what I wanted, but I sort of was like I, I kind of knew I wanted to be involved in business to some degree. And I honestly, consulting was like a path where I was like I don't want to be a consultant but at least i'll get some exposure to some different corporates and sort of yeah. sort of by process of elimination figure out you know what sucks and what doesn't um thankfully like for me though i was very lucky in that um like really very lucky because my uncle was involved in a startup um just as i was sort of leaving um uni um this is around 2008 and so uh yeah so basically had this had this space where i was like Ebooks. So he had this ebook startup, and this was when the Kindle had come out in 2007, the iPhone had come out in 2007. Ebooks had been talked about since the early 2000s, but mm. kind of nothing had really happened, and all of a sudden they were finding their moment. And mm. um, yeah, it was just this very lucky thing that he was involved in this company. Um, there really weren't that many startups in Sydney or Australia in like 2008 time. Like it wasn't like a thing that you were thinking, oh, mm. I'm going to leave uni and sort of join a startup. Mm. Even like really leaving uni and joining a tech company was a like not a super common path either um mm. which very thankful that, that has changed <laughs> but um yeah. but so but so like he had this thing and so i went and joined and started basically as a, as a as a sales like doing a sales sort of role there and um absolutely loved it the business was exploding we grew like 5x in the first year and then the second year came and like the core thing that they made money off mm. uh it was just becoming incredibly clear. They had like other sort of things they did, and they're, st- they're still around as a business today. But the core thing that had been driving this huge growth was just increasingly being commoditized, and like the price per unit of it basically was like how you do ebook conversions and, and things like that on yep. a per book basis and whatever else. Anyway, the price that was being dri- was basically being driven down to zero, and like it is zero today. Like it's, it's effectively it's offered for free uh, by a whole bunch of other companies, and mm. so. There was this sort of interesting moment where I sort of had this first wild ride, and then this sort of second year where you're like, mm, "Okay, like what's sort of happening here?" And sort of understanding the macro of that thing. And look, I was very lucky because I'd been doing endless deals with with book publishers in Australia and New Zealand around this this sort of this startup stuff. I got asked to you know, speak at a bunch of 
conferences about like the future of publishing and digital and all this sort of stuff. Um, and at one of them, I met someone from from Google, um, and they were looking to hire someone to work on their team. So they they'd had a they were basically gearing up to launch an ebook um, offering, sort of compete with Apple and and um, mm-hmm. Amazon and whatever else, which was the first product offering in what became Google Play. And mm-hmm. so um, they were looking to hire. I got along with the guy who was out in town. We sort of we sort of had a few beers, and it was like one of those complete serendipitous moments of. A sort of you know got to meet this person and got along very well with them, but then B, um, I had I'd been doing the thing that they were sort of looking for, which was like someone to sort of you know in an ebook sense be doing a sales role across yeah. Australia and New Zealand. So incredibly lucky, but joined them um, and then sort of you know built out, did all the contract negotiations for Google um, for that sort of thing, which was very fun because all the hmm. Google had started this library project back in the day where they were going to scan every book in the world into Google Books. Because yeah, you right. can't just index the internet; you need to index all, you know, books and magazines and whatever else. Not entirely clear how valuable that's been to Google, but but it was it was a noble project. And um, anyway, all the publishers were like, "You're violating our copyright," and then went to sue them. So <laughs> we were in active lawsuits with all the people I was negotiating with at Penguin and whatever else. But that was fun, and so sort of did that for a few years. Then took it once we did that. It was one of those very fun jobs where once the product was launched. You basically moved on to the next one. So we launched in Australia, then we launched in New Zealand, then we launched yeah. in Southeast Asia. Then we were doing it at the same time in Southeast Asia. We were starting to roll out um, magazines and newsstand, like you know those sort of early versions of that, and spending a lot of time, um, you know, at Fairfax and News Corp trying to get them to commit to Android as a platform and build apps for it. Everyone was like, "Oh, Android! Like you know, we've already got an iOS. Like why do we need this thing?" And it was this amazing thing where I'd go back every like eight weeks with a new chart of being like, in the last eight weeks. <laughs> yeah. We've sold like 40 million Android phones. In Australia, we've sold like you know 300,000. And it's just yeah. like, you know, this is, this is a market that's getting really... And like that rocket ship was just Rocketing. unbelievable to be a part of. I mean, I left, you know, Google Play didn't exist when I joined. And like I left, you know, this, I mean, this, it would have been, let, you know, maybe three, three and a half years later, it was doing $5 billion in... In, in total in total rev which obviously right. like you know google only you know a lot of that was through the, through the app store and whatever else and obviously google was giving away cuts to samsung and back to the creators and all that sort of stuff but still it was like a completely insane experience mm. um and so you know anyway moved with google to new york and it's sort of did a similar job over there just with bigger publishers and and a little bit more money and a, many more lawyers um <laughs> But um, but yeah, that that basically takes us up until until the time I, I bailed from there and came and did Quilla. Yeah, right. So I think it's fascinating how you're working on ebooks and now, like with what Quilla does, is making things not an ebook in a nutshell. Um, yeah. So explain to the audience what you know the core problem was with Quilla when you started it. Um, you know what was the challenge you kept seeing in that marketplace to why you went and you know started the Quilla journey. Yeah, so so I was very lucky with Quilla. So I had so Quilla wasn't my idea; it was my my co-founder Dylan's idea. And so Dylan had been running this agency um, for a while, and he had this sort of micro agency with, with him and, and a couple of others, but largely sort of him being the main 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 player. And so he was a, a, a software engineer and a designer, and so he was doing a lot of he was doing like some level of brand work, but 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 he would sort of do back end stuff, he'd do front end stuff, he'd do some design stuff. Um, but he was more commonly doing some sort of full stack work around. So he did work for like, you know, he started off with all the small things and he sort of grew and grew and he did work, ended up doing work for 
Ogilvy and Saatchi and Saatchi and um, Victorian government, Belvoir, which is a theatre in, in Sydney. And um, constantly throughout that process, he just, he just like hated the process of pitching um, because he was like, well, you know, I do my words in, I do, do my copy in Word. I then go do my pricing in Excel. I then take both of them into InDesign because I want to look nice. I'm a designer. I care about how I look. But then I'm like sending a PDF, which is like I'm working digitally in the web. I, like it's this sort of kind of clunky thing. The client then invariably has like, man, I want to change this and that and the other. So you got to like rip it all apart and then like remake it again. It was this very clunky, slow process. And, you know, there's times where you really want to get a proposal out quickly. And there's this real choice between like, you you either have to be you either can do it very fast and, and have it be ugly and kind of crappy or you can do it take the time and have it look good um mm. but like you know there's a type of you know real time cost there so dylan's insane solution to this was like well i'll just hand code websites every proposal i make and so wow. for every this was in 2011 2012 so yeah every yeah. proposal he made he was like building a website as a proposal and also as examples of previous work whatever else which was pretty insane, except that his hit rate for like converting the deals went from went from being like you know, a normalish one of you know whatever to like you know being over fifty percent. So he he usually get the deal, I think. But um, so he was sort of going through on this sort of side and um, doing this, and of course that's a pain in the ass. But so so the first you could even so say the first version of Quilla was just a way for him to automate some parts of this process, so he could do it you know, a little bit faster, a little bit quicker, a little bit easier, a few little bash scripts, etc. And it got to a stage where he was pitching Saatchi and Saatchi New Zealand um, mm. for some work they were doing on this on this campaign they were running. And um, and he spoke to them in the morning and he sent them something in the afternoon, website, a proposal. And the MD of Saatchi and Saatchi called him. like It was like mm. nighttime in, in New Zealand and called him and was like, how the hell have you, like, okay, have you done, is this a product? Like, how, how did you do this? This is a thing we mm. can use. Mm. And so... Dylan, Dylan actually been involved in a product business when he was earlier and was like, oh, no way. That is going to be impossible. Absolutely not. Like that, that just sounds like a terrible idea. Um, and so totally ran away from it. But then the more he started to think about it, the more he was just like, why is it that like documents are still files? Like why isn't it that, that you can create things quickly and easily on the web? And, you know, the web is so powerful. He's a developer, he's a designer. The web is so powerful. You know, you can do like, you can do interest, like all this interesting stuff happening in e-commerce. There's all this interesting stuff happening in sort of different online flows around optimizations and stuff. Obviously, you know, files look crap on mobile, blah, blah, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So we started sort of building a, building a product and building a first version of it. Um, I arrive on the scene about this time when he was sort of looking for a co-founder to come in and yeah. wonderfully, uh, so I was sort of looking to leave Google and come back to, leave New York, come back to Sydney um for a girl which mother of the toddler so all all went wonderfully well there um but but basically you know i was pretty unclear of what i wanted to do other than i knew i wanted to be in tech and ideally at a startup um and so i'd come back um for a friend's wedding and then was going to spend the rest of the week just meeting startup people what little there were like some angel mm -hmm. investors some vcs a couple of founders i'd been intro to by friends just be like, you know, who do you think's interesting? Who's doing good work? You know, blah, blah, blah. Um, at the wedding, I bumped into Dylan. Dylan and I have been mates since we were teenagers. He was always in bands. Uh, so and I've been like, you know, we weren't like super close or anything, but like, you know, we'd been at house parties and whatnot. And, and I'd seen him, his band play a bunch of times. And I sort of got chatting to him about that. And he's like, oh, actually, you know, you make no money in music. I've been doing this sort of 
agency stuff on the side um, really is the main gig for the last while. And, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. And he ends up saying, um, oh, do you know this guy, Gary? And I was like, mm. no, I don't, I, I don't know Gary, but I'm meeting him this week. He's one of the angel investors. And then Dylan's like, oh, I've been talking to him, getting some advice. And he's like, there's this guy from Google who he says I should speak to about being a co-founder. I'm like, anyway, so Gary was trying to match make us before we, you know, I'd even met him. And then like, you know, funnily enough, Gary was the person who came and wrote us our first check um, way back in the day, just a little, a little one for a hundred grand. Which I think Gary mm-hmm. now cuts first checks at more like a million at right click capital. But anyway, um, yeah. we were ecstatic at the time. And, um, and look, so when I came in, came on board to, to see what Dylan had built, there was like, I suppose like my background on this side is like, I'd spent a bunch of time in eBooks. And so I'd been thinking very much around, like I had been thinking a lot about what is the future of digital? What is the future of communication? How does that side work? But actually, to be honest, and look, there've been some really interesting like um, companies in that space. So in the ebook side, like there's this company called Inkling, which is like a textbook based one. And, and so they had like interactive textbooks and, you know, what mm. is the future of communication on that side and sort of doing an Apple had built out a platform to allow you to do some other cool stuff. And so I, I was aware of these different, different forms, but actually the main one that sort of came to me was like, um, in Google Sydney, when I joined there, it was pretty s- small for what Google is now. It's like maybe 150 to 180 people, mm. um, of which about like 40 to 50 were working on this project called Google Wave. Um, mm. Do you remember Wave? No worries if not, because it was a bit oh, of a random one. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's, it's all good. So, so look, it was this. So Lars, who had been the founder of Google Maps, um, it was his like next product idea. And so Lars, so Maps is obviously built out of Sydney. And so yeah. Wave was meant to be the future of, of communication and the mm. future of sort of collaboration. And if you wanted to be, they had a whole bunch of really clever techniques about like threading and chats and live typing and whatever else. And if you wanted to be super generous, you might say it was kind of protean slack, but it was sort of, it sort of never really found its niche. It kind of never quite figured out what it was. Yeah. And so Anyway, Google went through a whole wave of killing off products that, that didn't have any sort of level of product market fit. And they killed Wave and everyone got moved on to Google Docs. Right. There was this big conversation going on at the time of like, okay, what is the future of, of, of Docs and communication? And okay, it's not Wave, but it's kind of also not Docs. Like Google Docs mm-hmm. was a Microsoft clone that was kind yeah. of done in a sort of petty way of like, well, if you're going to have Bing, we're going to come for your, for your stuff. And this sort of funny sort of, like it was, definitely a step in the right direction. Mm. And we have this whole thing of like, you know, with Quilla that files suck on the internet. Yeah. And then there's been many steps on that journey of trying to make files suck less on the internet, whether it's, yeah. you know, Dropbox and Box or whether it's tools like wrappers like DocuSign or ClearSlide or DocSend where it's like, it's still a file, but you can kind of wrap it in the internet to give it a tiny bit like eSign or a little bit of analytics. And our yeah. whole thing has just been like, you know, when I saw what Dylan did, I'm like, Oh, it's just the web. Yeah. Like if you make it easy for anyone to build in this sort of Lego block form, yeah. simple functional web pages, and like as I'm sure, like you're aware, like there's still a million miles of like cool stuff we can do in the future. But as soon mm. as you do that, it's like, oh, you can have analytics out of the box. Mm. Oh, you want to like put like um, like a retargeting pixel in your every single proposal, so you can sort of like have it. Sure, like it's it's a web page. You can just plug that in. Oh, you'd like to be, you know, um, you'd like to have any sort of content that lives in the web. Like one of the most popular ones for us is, you know, the HubSpot meetings widget or Calendly or whatever else, right? Because it's just like, 
your goal as a sales rep is to book that really it's not about closing right now it's about booking the next meeting yeah well just don't have a link to it just just embed the thing they can see oh you know free on tuesday mm. and so as we sort of go down that path um, i just it just became very clear to me that like oh this this could be a huge idea and could be a really exciting thing to work on so i came home pretty shortly thereafter Dylan and I worked together uh, for for a month to sort of test the waters and see see if this was a terrible idea or not. And we both had a great time, and, and we've been doing it ever since. It's fascinating, um, just how also a lot of your touch points and points through your career have ended up in doing what you're doing, and like even the Google experiences. Like it's just I find that fascinating how you ended up trying to rip PDFs out of books <laughs> to then. Now, get rid of PDFs on the internet um, from proposals in a nutshell. So I just think that's really interesting. Um, and thanks for sharing. So now that you're, you know, you're cooking with gas with Quilla and, um, you know, you're starting to see that, you know, you're trying to replace the PDF, what are the bigger challenges? And as, you know, businesses are adopting these smarter ways of sending documents and stuff like that, what are the challenges you're starting to come across now that you're starting to, you know, dive into? Yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a great question. I think like one of the funny ones for us is, um, look, first of all, this is an obvious one to say, but like a classic challenge for us is, is just inertia. Like the Microsoft monopoly is very powerful. Everyone knows what a Word doc is, what a PDF is, et cetera, et cetera. And so like having a move away from that is, is a little bit of a challenge. I suppose the second challenge for us is like, as you move to the web, you know, and I think, this is a thing I always love talking with people like you who are very thoughtful on marketing stuff around is like one of the lovely things with DocuSign is it's like, it's just a PDF with eSign. Now, like that's actually not true because they've got clever stuff around workflows and they've also got deep integrations with CRMs and they've got a clever contract management storage solution. Although it's really just like a, a nice Dropbox, but anyway, but like, uh, <laughs> but you know, it, it is like a relatively simple value prop. And I think one of the things we struggle with a little bit of Quilla where it's like, we do analytics. We look great on mobile. You can embed video or calendars or whatever. You also, when you do pricing, you can do accept, e-sign and payment, you know, on any device. When you're doing pricing, you can have that pricing be as configurable to your customer as it would be on an e-commerce experience. You can say like, hey, you know, here's our, our packages are gold, silver, bronze. Okay, I want silver. I actually don't want this optional extra. So I'm going to uncheck that box, but I do want this one. I'm going to check that box and I want four of them. And mm. like that updates the price in real time. There's like all these sort of interesting things you can do around analytics and optimization and blah, blah, blah. I can go on. Like, and I, the other part I would say like as well is like obviously files are like islands that is like just completely removed from the rest of the cloud world like we everything lives in the cloud we're all in SaaS tools except files don't like speak to any of them so like obviously making quilla be able to pull in data from say hubspot or salesforce you know once that deal is won push data back to hubspot and salesforce say like hey mark this deal is closed one notify this person trigger this workflow etc or ping mm -hmm. you know hey ping this this data about pricing into zero so we can create a draft invoice you know, whatever that is, I'm ping Slack so you can have a celebration in the sales channel. Like yeah. all of that sort of stuff, you know, I think one of the challenges for us is like, how do we message that? Because I've just spoken to you for three bloody minutes and there's no like USP here, right? Like I think there's a degree yeah. of, there's a challenge on that side. And there's also a challenge of people just being like, oh, it's a web page, it'll be hard, which is I think another sort of issue on that side. So look, mm. I think like 
as we sort of go through here, you know, it's sort of trying to be thoughtful around like, you know, I think some of the core challenges I think as we go from, you know, still early adopterish. Like, you know, we've got like thousands Correct. and thousands of customers, you know, companies as customers around the world, but like that one's heard of Quilla. Like we're still so early and like we just closed the series yeah. A, like we're very yeah. early in our journey. And so how do yeah. we sort of make that move from like the early adopter land into that sort of mm. you know, more into the sort of later stage? I I think you're um you're spot on there and the points you're making about some of those other platforms you've talked about because they got in sort of nearly pre-SAS or before SAS really existed yeah. and yeah. they just solved a really micro problem that was a huge problem. But now yeah. what's obviously going on, we're going to a collaborative, more best-of-breed technology take away from, you know, owning one technology, the whole stack. Um, it's going to evolve and, you know, this is only just starting the way I'm looking at that too. So um, I can understand a bit of your frustration there, but also I think there's time because um, people are going to be like, oh, I need this or I need that. And then it's like, oh, but now I don't need that, that, and that, and I can have all of that in four platforms instead of 19. Um, yeah. So you start looking at best of breed. So I think that that'll be really interesting how some of those big guys either acquire or, um, you know, adopt new ways. But when you've got so many customers, it's really, I'm assuming it's going to be really hard for them to innovate and change too much as well. Um, so, you know, how that how that plays out will be really interesting. So you, you commented on the journey of how it's been. Um, so what what is the vision for Quilla? Like where are you heading and, um, you know, to date, um, compared to what you thought it was going to be like, like obviously the SaaS world in sales and MarTech. You know, if you look at Scott Brinker's diagram, I think, what was it, six or seven years ago, there was a couple of thousand platforms. Now there's 10,000. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so, I mean, I think, um, look, I mean, I think, look, the, speak to the vision for Quilla. I mean, like our, our whole piece here is that, like, and look, I've drunk the Kool-Aid, but the vision we have is that, you know, in the future, everyone will create, you know, all of their documents as web pages. And we'll move away from this idea of the PDF and the file, which is yeah. really quite, by design, quite restrictive as to what you can do and move into mm. a world that is, you know, web first and supportive of that. And like, you know, from our point of view, that's like the long-term vision. We sort of split this into sort of, into sort of, it's a simplistic way of doing it, but it's like internal and external. And so like, Intern, like we're not really a tool for internal documents. I mean, people do use us for a whole bunch of internal stuff, but like, but really, you know, the companies that we admire and, and you know who, who we're friendly with in this space are like Notion and Coda and Airtable and others. Like, they do an amazing job at saying, "What if you built a web-first version, like you know, a version that's not designed to be printed out and PDFable, etc.? What if you built an awesome sort of tool that was like really truly, you know, web-first?" And I think like. What Notion is doing, like what all those companies are doing is kick ass on that side. And I think that that's like, there's a very interesting space there. That's really about like, how does sales and marketing and like, you know, product or ops, like how do they all like collaborate and work on stuff together? Mm. Quilla's whole focus is how do you, how do you do that to the external world? Like, how do you do that around like communicating um, to your customers? And so really, you know, most companies end up having this beautiful website, if they're lucky, you know, a really nice website and sort of, and it's sort of like their shop front, you know, it's this, it's this, it's this beautiful sort of portal to their stuff. But then you look at their, if they're B2B based, their sales collateral is this incredibly clunky, ugly, dumb, 
mm-hmm. sort of sort of you know uh, PDFs or, or Word docs or whatever. And so, how do you sort of bring that bring that you know to Quilla? Really, is our sort of vision on that side. Um, to talk about the journey, and look, we've got a long way to go on that side, so which is which is exciting for us. So I think you know how do we sort of get there? To talk about the journey. I mean, look, I will say that I thought we would get everywhere faster. I'm yeah. sort of like impatient. I can see the next stage. I can be like, here's where we're going to be, and I feel like we should be there in six to nine months, and it always invariably takes twelve to eighteen. Um, but you know, I think that's fine because so far we've already we've always gotten to that next phase, and I think that that's somewhat is how it goes. It doesn't mean there haven't been occasional moments. I remember early on, it was actually fun enough just the time that Quilla was starting to actually properly get some traction and start to sort of grow a little bit on its own accord rather than like the first bunch of sales are just like so manual and so yeah. hard. And it was just starting to like just starting to ease up on that side. I had this like huge sort of thing of just being like this sort of crisis of faith really where I was just walking around and being like, I had this great job at Google and I was paid well. And I was like, like it was like back in the day when Google was still a high status job. And um, and uh, I think like all that sort of stuff. And so I was like, look, I think, you know, that's sort of part of the journey of going through this stuff. I think there can be some challenging times. But to be honest, like, you know, we've been enjoying it. And I think the funny thing with, with the MarTech landscape is like, um, it is, it's sort of this interesting sort of space that I think it's really, it's, it's quite easy to, to, to start a product company these days. You know, the, the costs to build a startup are getting cheaper and cheaper all the time. Yeah. And the, I'd say like the quality bar of products is getting higher all the time. Like, you know, a bunch of these new products coming out, like certainly design's taken seriously, UX is taken seriously. There's been a lot of thinking and sharing in the startup community around like different frameworks of thinking about things. And I really do think that like a lot of the stuff that comes out is actually quite good. And I think mm. that that's sort of interesting, but I do think that you have to be thoughtful about um, distribution and be thoughtful mm. about what your moat is. And for me, I just keep coming back to this this sort of truism, I, I think, which is like moats are hard and like it's not meant to be easy. Anything that's easy that is like quite doable kind of by definition won't really give you a moat. Now, like there might be some particularly great insight you have that gives you some advantage here, but like generally speaking, it's just like, you know, and whether that's building a brand and, and by building a brand, that part of that is just like doing good quality work for every customer day in, day out for years. Like, you know, I mean, that, there are other parts of brand, obviously, but like that is, you know, a, a part of it. And then like, you know, other stuff of like, you know, I think, you know, I think as you sort of, you know, go into like, you know, for us, we made the choice not to build a PDF editor that sits in the cloud. So you could build a, build a PDF in the cloud and then have it be hosted there. And so you could do a kind of couple of cool things or you could buy the thing where you could upload a PDF into it and then like have a wrapper solution. Like we thought about that, but clearly like that's crap. That's not the vision we see. Mm. Building like a WYSIWYG web page builder, like really hard, like very, very technically challenging path. Even today, mm. it's not an easy sort of path and there are very few companies that do it, let alone do it well, let mm. alone have like interesting design and sort of, you know, good guardrails around that sort of stuff. But like, 
but that's good. Like that is actually, I've kind of more and more been like embracing that as being like, actually that is the moat because it, it's not something you can just turn on in, uh, in, in like a month or two. It's, it's actually, that's like real hard work. And there's, you know, even for us, like we're constantly working on like reinvesting in that platform um, to try mm. to keep that. Mm. That, that makes a lot of sense. And also too, you know, you know, you, you said it's easier to start than ever, but you know, I think a comment that Brian Halligan made inbound a couple of years ago, it's, it's easier than ever to start, but it's harder than ever to scale. Yeah. And to get into these ecosystems that you can, you know, scale with, I think is also not that easy. Um, you can't just say, oh, I'm going to connect to that anymore. Like you need to have some runs on the road and you've got to have some, you know, some stuff in the background. So I think that is um, pretty true so, and pretty relevant. Um, so the next question I like to ask or go on with is how we're trying to make the world a better place. And I can already think of, you know, so the theme of this podcast is around, you know, it's COVID, it's a classic, or not classic example, but we're trying to make things better and we're trying to be a bit more humane around what is going yeah. on. And I actually love the fact that you guys haven't made it a PDF and you can't actually make it a PDF because you can't print it. <laughs> so that's yeah. like one one amazing thing you can't do because, you know, think of how many times a, a manager or a boss has said, oh, I'll just print off that proposal for me. Um, you've, you've erased that line. Um, but without me talking, what are some things that Quilla are trying to do to obviously make, you know, lives better, business better, um, you know, and especially in this current environment, how has that been amplified? That is a huge and awesome question. So let me let me try and break down a few things. The first thing I'm going to say is, is that, just, just to clarify, you can still export Quilla pages to PDF. There's like a, this is one of it, but it's, it's, an, it's like a thing that we had a huge debate about a few years ago um because we initially didn't allow it and then mm. we spent a lot of time and let me tell you taking html into pdf is like a deeply unpleasant experience <laughs> for all the engineers working on that um but but it's important to be backwards compatible to some degree and so we do try to be yeah. thoughtful on that side the wonderful thing uh at the moment and like you know i will be honest like there's not too many wonderful things at the moment but but in this no. working from home world our PDF exporter has never been quieter. Hmm. Like, you know, awesome. it's sort of, it's, you know, because it's, it's, it's the idea of, of printing stuff out and the idea of this, it's kind of in large parts of our customer base, it's sort of gone away. Like, you know, we, we, we looked at the numbers of that and look, we always find this, like the most PDF exporters ever used in a customer's life cycle is in the first quarter, right? Because right. they're still, they've got a few people on the team who are still like, oh, I don't want to print this out or whatever else. And like, that usage doesn't go to zero because, you know, there'll sometimes be some old school customers that like, just like, I just wanted to print it out. And you're like, cool, here you go. Here's a PDF. Yeah. Um, but like, but, you know, I think that that, that is, that is sort of going away at the moment. I think that people are being very open to that sort of thought because obviously like, okay, if I, if I send you this link, if you, like, if you print this out, well, it can't be interactive and you can't like, you can't choose what package you want and you can't like, you know, accept, mm. sign, and pay online, and you can't watch the video, and you can't book in the calendar, and like all that sort of magic of the web does go away. Um, but um, so I think, like, as far as making the world a better place, like we, I mean, I think that that we there's a few lenses on that. I suppose, like, I'll start with the company lens, which is like internally at Quilla, like we feel lucky that great people take. A chance on us like we're still a startup there's real risk in joining us you know hopefully there's real reward too but like 
you know, I think, and but but also like there's this other side of it, which is like anybody choosing to spend your time on on to some degree your project, like that's awesome. Like thank you. And like you know, we only get one go round on the world. Like you want to have it be a good one. Like you want to have it mm. feel fulfilling and enjoyable. And look, I'm not saying we're the most perfect employer ever, but we try. And I mm. think like you want to try to have it be in a, a place where people can learn and grow and sort of have a good time on the customer front. Like, you know, we have this, we, this is lovely thing in SAS, which is like, you know, you need to be long-term greedy, like to make it work. Like nobody, I make no money off you in month one, right? Like yeah. it's, you know, that the reality is maybe, maybe if you've come through a very efficient channel and you buy an annual plan, <laughs> maybe I'm making some money then, but like, but if you know, generally speaking, if you're buying a month to month thing, it's you know I've got a payback period that's in the months. You know, yeah. it's, it's less than a year, yeah. but it's it's a while. And so, the entire purpose of SaaS is to like is to be long term greedy and to have customers yeah. who stick around for many years. And how do you get to stick around for many years? You have a good product that you invest in to make better. You take customer service really seriously, and you help yeah. them have a great time. And like that's it. That's all. That's all it is. It's just help them have a great time. And so, like, you know, it's kind of clarifying in, in moments like now with COVID where, you know, we went look look through our, our customer list and we sort of had about 100 customers, a little bit over in, like, events, sort of in a bucket that you would call, like, events, hospitality, you know, sort of zone and another, another sort of, you know, 100 or so in, like, retail sort of zone and then maybe 50 to 80 and, like, not-for-profit area and then a bunch in freelancer zone. We just sort of looked at these sort of different segments and sort of said, Who, who's going to be really slammed by this? And so everyone got a proactive note reach out from, from, from me. It came from my personal email, just being like, hey, um, if you're having a hard time with COVID, we've got a bunch of options available. Just just, just reply to this email, you know, let me know how you're doing and we'll, we'll sort it out. And basically our offers were like, you know, if you need Quilla to be, you know, half price for the next few months we'll do that if you need mm. you know if you need um if you want us to hibernate your account which which you know we've got this sort of plan structure we have internally where it's like you're not able to create new documents but you can everything in the account is viewable it's documents that are still live or editable you know blah blah, blah. so you can do like a bunch of stuff but you can't sort of can't create mm. new proposals you know we'll do that we'll hibernate your account for, for, for x months and and, um, and then we'll touch base and so right now we're actually the first wave of those offers of sort of you know three months uh, sort of we're sort of touching base with people and some are mm. saying actually can we keep it hibernated for you know two more months or hey mm. you know would it be possible to like you know or whatever and so like because like what's my what's our goal there it's like uh, you know long-term. my goal is to keep you and it, it's yeah. to be long-term greedy and to help them have a great time and like if i you know my hope is like let's say someone's been with us for a year and then they go, they don't pay us anything for, for, for four months. Sorry, there's a bird just outside <laughs> making incredibly loud, strange sounds. So um, that's, our, that's our sort of toddler moment for the episode. Um, but, um, but, but, yeah, so I think, you know, I think uh, I've totally lost my train of thought. No, you, you, you were just saying around the long-term thinking and, you know, customers being long-term greedy. Um, and I think it's a really nice thing to hear too. Um, you know, so many people have been short-term thinking for so long and this is a bit of a wake-up call for that. So um, I think that's amazing. And the fact that you are trying to help customers and help your staff and, you know, 
do those little things because those little things over a long term become big things. So I think that's pretty fascinating um, and good on you guys for having that uh, mindset as well. Um, I'd love to get you to share a tip on proposals with our audience. Um, so you see a lot of data. Um, yep. I've seen a lot of other stats coming out on proposals. But if you were to sit down and, you know, to give a business, let's say super experienced but also a startup, for example, um, not pitch decks or anything like that, but what would the one tip you would be would be about a proposal to get at least the most traction you've seen in your experience with Quilla? To be honest, the, the best thing, and I think like your audience is the perfect one for this, and so I'll just speak plainly, which is like you should be approaching proposals as you approach landing pages because mm. it's just a conversion. It's a conversion funnel. It's, it's, a, it's farther down and you really want to have a super high conversion rate. But like when you think about what, what building a great landing page is, is like, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of sort of psychology of how you put things in there. A, it shouldn't be too long. B, if you need to have like relevant bits of content there, you know, you should say within a proposal, you might want to have a whole bunch of legalese, but within Quilla, you might fold that away behind a button or like link to it on a separate page. Or again, like you want to have easy access to all the things they might want to learn but not mm. have necessarily distract from the main flow of the page because there is an outcome mm. on that page and that is the button that says accept. And so, mm. like, I think you you sort of want to be driving towards that. And again, you know, look, there's a very simple thing that we sort of know, which is like if you embed trust before and after the price, um, so typically what, we, what, what we've sort of shown with data is like you want to have some level of trust just before you see the price, then you have... Um, it can kind of vary, but you you kind of want to have another another piece of trust, and then the and then the accept button. You know, you might have like price, then accept, then another piece of trust just below that. Mm. What you're sort of trying to do is sort of say like, let's imagine you come down, and then you see like just a short little testimonial or a bunch of logos or the companies that are on there, or like you know, um, uh, uh, you know, HubSpot um, Diamond. Partner, yep. yep, yeah, there we go. Um, so, so like you know, the HubSpot diamond, but yeah, but whatever the trust is, it's just sort of you know, again mm. for us, it might be like G two Crowd, you know, you know, top top proposal tool for SMBs, um, you know, in, you know, to globally in this quarter. But it's like mm. like that. You, you want to have that thing of like prime you for trust. Here's the price. Here's how to accept, and then you have the second bit of trust just below there, mm. um, so that you sort of you're sort of building confidence. Again, you would do something similar on a landing page. Like you sort of yeah. have these moments of like how you build in credibility, how you're being clear on that side. And so, and then, you know, obviously you want to end at the bottom with like another classic thing is like if they don't choose that main conversion point of the accept button, at the bottom of the page, you have that, that contact block where it's like, you know, hey, here's, here's our website, here's how to get in touch, here's my phone number, you know, here's my email, blah, blah. And like for a lot of people, there's also a little another little button, another folded section at the bottom there of like, still have more questions, book in a time for a chat. And so again, you press that button, it folds out, and there's a there's a calendly or a HubSpot meeting calendar or whatever else. And so I think like if you think about all of the stuff that that, that you know everyone takes landing pages and that whole thing bloody seriously, it's a real science. If you think about what proposals are, like it's just like very little rigor has been applied to them. Now, like with our larger customers, I would then go to say like, if you've got a templated sales process, especially if you're using a tool like HubSpot or Salesforce where you 
you know, you have a number of templates that are embedded in there. We can then like, you know, pull in data from HubSpot into sort of creating them. You don't need to have that large a volume of those going through to be able to start doing some simple A-B testing. Yeah. So you'd be like, you know what, we're going to include a video in the proposal or, yeah. or not. And it's like, do you know what? The one with the video, it has worse conversion. So let's let's get rid of that idea. But like, mm. you know, like again, like very simple things around which also you would bring into landing pages. Now, landing pages, you know, it's easier to get higher numbers of views on that. So it's you know, statistically significant, blah, blah. But like that same process and thoughtfulness should be brought into this part of the funnel too. Mm. I think that's a fascinating tip. And um, I think a lot of people will take that out. And I also love the fact that about you know breaking up a proposal or having like click away quick hidden hidden information which yeah. you can't do in a traditional pdf or a traditional proposal as well um it's like it's there if you want it but if you don't need it don't click it um totally you don't need that. to get in their way and i think that one of the things that we you can see very easily on a lot of proposals is like people just want to jump to the price so don't, yeah. don't make it, you don't need to give it to them straight away, but don't make <laughs> yeah. it hard to scroll down there, like in sort of, you know, find where that is. And, and look, you know, some documents need to be longer than others, but if that's the case, why not have like, again, where the website, like a webpage, why not have navigation so you can jump straight to it and then jump around and whatever else. Um, but I would also say that like, we know this empirically, like you don't want to have like a too longer, to, to like, it's like the short, shorter proposals convert more um, and convert faster as well. Um, because the more words you have, the more processing power your brain needs to sort of get, get through it all and blah, blah, blah. But again, if you can just be clear on the offer, into some trust, clear on the pricing, clear call to action with regards to acceptance flow and accept e-sign and you know, payment if you want to use that or maybe like pay deposit or something like that, which again, like even pay deposit part, such a powerful part of like, Loss aversion. Mm. You know, maybe they've only paid five hundred bucks out of an engagement that might be worth fifty grand. But once they've paid that five hundred, like it's you really, you know, there's a there's a real incredibly high likelihood of them following through on that path. Yeah. Um, no, so yeah, hundred percent. What would be a um, you know, you can brag here or something you can be pretty pretty proud of and excited for. What's something that if you were to start a new hire or a new person in the business that you were just like, here's a story of, uh, you know, someone that's used Quilla or a success story that, you know, has been dinged around the office a few times. What would, what's that one? I think um, we have a feedback channel in Slack of just people who, you know, it's like NPS scores and, and whatever else and things like that, that just, and, and other sort of other bits of feedback that come in, including negative feedback, like, you know, people, you know churn reasons or whatever else. Mm -hmm. um, to be honest, like there are some large companies we have where they've like, you know, increased their conversion rate a lot or decreased their sales cycle a lot or both or what, blah, 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 blah. It's always the ones where it's like some guy who's a sole operator comes <laughs> yeah. in or, or like a small team. And like one of the biggest bits of feedback we get about Quiller is because again, you're creating these web pages. There's a lot of design thinking put into it. So it's, 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 it's not guaranteed it'll be beautiful, but we, we make it, we try to make it as easy as possible, make a very beautiful looking mm. page. We also like give away free document design services and whatever else as well. But like, it's just like where you get someone who comes in. And I, and I remember um, there was this, uh, there was this, uh, this guy, this is from ages ago, but we had, we had a similar one recently, but one I remember from ages ago was um, 
there was this guy who um as a hobby made unbelievable tree houses like just the fanciest most epic sort of tree houses you've ever seen but he'd just been doing it as like a sort of hobby done a couple here and there but he wanted to sort of quit his day job um which was i can't remember what, but it was an incredibly mundane day job. it was like one of those sort of like impressively mundane day jobs yeah. to sort of go and do this full time and he just had never been able to get traction on it but then he he signed up for Quiller and did this and did a few things here and he sort of basically said like I felt like I wasn't just a one man band sort of you know kind of like I shouldn't be there I felt incredibly proud of what I'd done and I also felt like I could price it properly for the first time and sort of actually mm. charge price that I felt I was at this was actually worth that actually to be honest it was really the price that he needed it to be for him to be able to quit his job and sustain yeah. And so, which was like, you know, I think these tree houses were like 40,000 pounds. <laughs> like it was, I mean, they, they, were, they were unbelievable, but like, yeah, it was yeah. like a real bit of work. And I think, um, and he, and he's like, I closed, we got this note from him, which was like, I closed, you know, I'd been trying this for ages and ages and ages. And since using Quilla for the last two months, I've closed four jobs. So he's like, I'm really sorry, Quilla. I actually won't be around for a little while because I have to go build these four tree houses. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like he'd sort of won too much work in a way, but he was Love like, it. thank you so much. He's still a customer today. They've now got like a small team. So like they've got a team of like, it's not not that many, but like 15 people who work on this. And it's mm. all across, um, it's all up and down sort of the main British British Isle. And um, it's just awesome. It's just like, it's truly that's, like little yeah, stories. That's, like that, that's, great. that's very cool. And to enable someone that had a hobby that became really passionate obviously about it and then has been able to build it into a business and you can be part of that journey. I think that's pretty special. Um, 100%. I love it. I love it. Mark, we better start bringing this to ground. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time out to have a chat to us. Um, how do people get in touch with you or Quilla? Like what's obviously Quilla.com. Um, but yeah, yeah what, what's the best channel? We, we should spell it out because, you know, it's, it's a brutal name. So Q-W-I-L-R, but I'm like, so Quilla.com. So I'm, I'm, I'm at Mark E. Tanner on, on Twitter. You can find me on, on LinkedIn. I'm just, I'm also just by email. I'm Mark at Quilla.com. Um, uh, to be honest, like, you know, love to look, you know, love to work with people uh, who are doing interesting stuff. We're, we're growing. We've, we've closed a series A recently. So we've got a, we're still hiring. So if you're interested in Quilla, you know, if you head to quilla.com slash jobs, um, you know, there's always new stuff going up there. Uh, but I think we're hoping to bring on board about 10 people in the next sort of four to six months. Um, we've got, um, you know, obviously we're, we're deeply involved in the HubSpot community. I know you are as well. So like always happy to work with, with people on the HubSpot side. So, um, so look, you know, please, if you have any questions uh, or whatever else about, about Quilla, please feel free to, uh, to reach out. Awesome. I love it, Michael. Thank you very much. Um, and I look forward to seeing where the journey takes you and we'll chat to you soon. Thank you very much, mate.